You're listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. Now, your weekly message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. How are you today? We're glad you joined us on our podcast. Welcome to Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland. If you've never listened to us before, we hope you, that you're, uh, you enjoy the, the podcast and that it is refreshing and encouraging to you. I want to take you today to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Father God, I pray that you'd be with me today. Help me to speak the things that you've laid on my heart to speak. I pray that you be with those that are listening, give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them. And Father, we'll never fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Notice the words, devil and like a roaring lion. He says he's like, but he is not a roaring lion. He's like a lion, but he's not. He's not a lion, but he is an imitator. The devil is an imitator. He is a deceiver. When you you understand and begin to look at some things in in the Word of God and, and you start studying, one of the things I love to do is studying out the Greek and the Hebrew to find out what the true meanings are because it brings context, so much context, into the Word of God to help us to fully grasp the things that the the author is saying. We understand according to 2 Timothy 3.16 that uh, the whole scripture is inspired by God. It may have been written by Peter or by Paul or by Moses or whoever, but God inspired them to write it. And we have lost so much over the years um, through the translation because our word, our, our Bibles have been translated so many times that we often use lose things that the original writers said. So understand that, that, that Peter right here, he says, he says, be sober. In other words, um, make sure that your mind is clear. Do not allow things like sub- substance or thought lives or anything that could cause you to, to your mind not to be clear and your mind not to be focused. He says, be vigilant, be alert, make sure that you're aware of what's going on around you. Because your adversary, the devil, the deceiver, Satan, the the, the liar, is walking around like, he's not really, he's just acting like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 13 says this, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation in the farthest sides of the north. He's talking about Lucifer, who is Satan, the devil. How he was cast out of heaven because he, he his heart was not where it was supposed to be. He tried to deceive, he did deceive actually, one-third of the heavenly host to believing that he was something that he was not and therefore was cast out of heaven. Ever since the beginning of time, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, he has been trying to deceive people, mankind, even the angels in heaven. 
One of the ways he tries to deceive people in this world is through our praise. Let me say that again. One of the ways Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the deceiver tries to deceive people is through our praise. The dictionary defines praise as the act of expressing approval or admiration, commendation, laudation, the offering of grateful homage in words or song or as an act of worship. If you looked in Ezekiel 28 verses 12 through 19, we're not going to go over there and read all of the scripture, but we see several things about Satan right here in Ezekiel. Now, if you're reading that, you would look at it and think that, that he's actually talking to this king of Tyre, but there's some things about the word of God that you need to understand that, that some of it is literal and there's some that is, um, it, it's, he's trying to get a point across. Okay, he's trying, he's trying to use it. So he's talking to a literal king, but then he kind of kicks over into this thing and then begins to actually talk about Lucifer and how this king is acting like Lucifer and then what Lucifer happens. So we see several things right here. First, we learn of his beauty. We understand that he was anointed cherub. And because in verse 13, we believe he was a worship leader in heaven until pride rose up inside of him and he was cast out of heaven. He began by deceiving Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. He deceived her and he told her that if she would eat of the forbidden fruit, that she would be like God. Eve therefore ate of the fruit because she desired approval. She desired praise. The Word of God says in Genesis 3, 6, says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her and ate it. So look at this again, Genesis 3, 6. When she saw, so what happened was, is God told Adam, you can eat of anything in the garden, but do not eat of that tree. Do not eat that fruit. Adam then passed it on to Eve, but then the serpent came up, the enemy, the devil comes up to Eve, and he says, did God really say? Now, we see something similar to this when we go and we look in Matthew's gospel, where it talks about how Jesus spent 40 days uh, in the wilderness, and he was tempted by the enemy. We know that Jesus, right before he went in to the wilderness, right before he went up, he was baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says when he came up out of the water, the Spirit ascended upon him like a dove and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And then as soon as he gets up there and he's fasted 40 days and 40 nights and then the enemy comes to him, the enemy begins to ask the same questions. Did God really say these things? Are you really the son of God? Of course, we, you know, Jesus knew who he was. He knew the word and he knew how to stand. Eve, on the other hand, Eve was easily deceived. So the, the, the enemy, the serpent, looks at her and says, did God really say? And then she began to question within herself. And then she saw, because it first started in her mind, then it got into her heart. So then she saw with her eyes that the tree was desirable to make wise. She wanted the approval. She desired the praise of being wise. So she took of its fruit and she ate it. Because of Satan's deceit and Eve's desire for praise, man has had to live with a sin nature ever since. See, this is not to say that praise is wrong, but we must understand who 
we shall praise. Lucifer was created. Lucifer was a cherub. He was a created being. God is the creator. God created you and I, but he also created the angels. Lucifer was created to praise God, but pride caused him to praise himself. Satan was deceived, um, Satan has deceived rather man for 6,000 years or more to try to get us to praise anything other than God. Okay, let me say that again. Satan has deceived man for over 6,000 years to try to get us to praise anything other than God. Man, we have so many things where, where people are praising and they set up these false gods and they desire the praise of other people. They We, we, we focus so much on praising athletic teams or, or praising uh, men. We try to follow men instead of following God and we get our eyes off the focus. We need to praise God. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us that he is like in other words, he is not, but he is trying to appear to be. And therefore, what he does is he creates other things, uh, puts other things in our lives to try to get them things to rise up in us to take the place of God in our lives so that we will praise them things, whether it's another person or an idol. We try to pray, we, we, we attempt to praise those things instead of praising the one true God who is worthy of all praise. Satan has tried to twist to reroute and to confuse our praise. But what I want to get back to is get, get us back to this place of being on track as we discuss the importance and the victory that comes with proper praise. That's what I want to really speak to you about is proper praise. We must understand that with God there is no coincidences, but that all things are done with purpose. Go to Genesis 29. Genesis 29. A pastor friend of mine came and did chapel at Adult and Teen Challenge at Upper Cumberland. And he mentioned in his chapel the importance of somebody's name. In the Bible times, a name was an important thing. A name meant something. And you named your child uh, for a specific reason. You could either curse a child or you could bless a child by its name. Today, we just name people whatever. You know, whatever comes into mind and or sometimes... We're named after other family members, and we really don't know why. Names don't have the significance today that they had back in biblical times. So I want to look at some names, a name specifically, in biblical times as we talk about proper praise and how God does all things with purpose. So go to Genesis 29. Let's begin in verse number 32. It says, So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now let's stop for a second. Understand the, 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 this story. Let's put everything into context. Jacob, Israel, wants to marry Rachel, but then what happens is, is he is, he is, he is deceived, and then he has to marry Leah. So he marries Leah, and, and she begins to have children, but she's not the one that he truly loves. He loves her sister, but she begins to conceive and have children. So the first children, again, Genesis 29, 32, the first child she named Reuben, and Reuben means that the Lord has seen her affliction. His name is Affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. She's trying to get the praise of Jacob by offering him children, 
But yet that is that that that's not the proper praise that she needs. Then it goes on in verse 33, then it says, Then she conceived again and bore another son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I'm unloved, he has therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. So Simeon's name is that the Lord knew that she was unloved. The Lord heard her her anguish. The Lord heard her desire to have. But yet again, she's having these children to try to get Jacob to, to, to love her, to praise her when Jacob really loves her sister. So then it says in verse 34, she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this is the time when my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. So again, the third time she, she tries to have a, a child and she's trying to, to get her husband to, to love her and to pay her some attention, to praise her and to get his mind off of, off of her sister, which is his other wife. But then in verse 35, verse 35 says, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Look now, she finally, she, after three kids trying to get the attention and get the praise that comes from man, get the attention and the praise of Jacob, trying to have children for all the wrong reasons. Now all of a sudden things become, get into proper perspective. And she said, now I'm going to bear a son, but I'm going to praise the Lord for this son. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing children. Now again, the interesting thing is, is when we get into this Bible and we begin to read and we begin to understand some things about words and, and what they mean and the translation of all this, Judah means praise. The word Judah literally means praise. So understand Judah being one of the 12, 12 tribes of Israel, his, his name or his tribe would have been the tribe of praise. Now look at this. Go to Genesis chapter 49. If, if, you're, if you're someplace seating and you can grab your Bible, this is great stuff. You want to get your highlighter out. This is good. If you're driving down the road and you're listening, like I often listen to podcasts, you just keep on driving. I uh, hope this gets into your heart. Maybe you can pull it up later. But go to Genesis chapter 49 and let's look at verse number one. I want There's 27 passages right here, but I'm only going to read a few of them. But let's look at Genesis Chapter 49, beginning in verse 1, it says, And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. So here we go. We got Jacob, Israel, bringing the 12 tribes, bringing his 12 sons together. They, they, they were brought down into Egypt. Joseph went to Egypt, brought his family with him during the time of famine. Jacob is old. He's getting ready to die. He calls his family together, and he, he wants to, he's, he's wanting to pray uh, over each one of his children, the things that God is telling him that is going to happen, what's going to befall. He's being prophetic. He's offering them a prophetic word of what the Lord is going to do in their lives. So remember, as we read in Genesis 29, Leah had the first three sons for all the wrong reasons. Her, her mindset in having these children were not pure. They were not to give God glory. They were trying to get the glory, uh, get the praise from Jacob. So let's look at what God says about these men. Verse number two, Genesis 49, verse two, it says, Gather together and hear you, sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. 
Well, that sounds pretty good at first. Reuben's the firstborn, and boy, it's, he's, he's probably, if you could just imagine this, Reuben's sitting there listening to his dad pray for him, and, and he's kind of getting puffed up, man. I'm, you know, strength and excellency and dignity. But look at verse 4. But you are unstable as water, and you will not excel, because you went up into your father's bed, and you defiled it. He went up to my couch. And if you go back and you read the account of Genesis, Reuben slept with, with one of his father's uh, concubines. And, and um, anyway, so he begins to talk about Reuben as he's praying for him. He said, you're strong and you're mighty, but boy, you, you're about as unstable as water. Because you defiled my bed, you're not going to amount to anything. Then he goes on and he says in verse 5, he says, You, Simeon, and you, Levi, are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their counsel. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So again, you look at the, the situation between Simeon and Levi. Their sister was was raped, um, and they went into the, the town of where this prince, it was the king's son of this village, and they went into the town, and they convinced all the people. They said, hey, if you want to be with our women, and you want um, our tribes, our men to be with your women, this is what you need to do. Your men need to be circumcised. So they convinced them to be circumcised, and, and for you guys that know anything about circumcision, you understand they weren't feeling too good for a grown man to be circumcised. These guys weren't feeling too good at the time. And so when they were in their weakest, Simeon and Levi go into the town and kill all of the men because of the the prince who slept with their sister. Um, they they killed all the men. So so here Jacob is Israel. Israel is, is pronouncing upon them cursed for their anger and their fierceness. So again, because these three men were born and 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 Leah's whole potential was to receive the praise of men. At this time in Jacob's life, as he begins to pray, that that was that curse that Leah put on them by their names when they were born. But then in verse number 8, Genesis 49, verse 8, it says, But Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and into him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes, and his eyes are darker than white and his teeth whiter than milk. But I'm going to tell you, compared to the first three, this is awesome. I mean, this guy is getting the, the, man, God is lifting him up. He said, you and your brothers will praise you. Remember, when Leah conceived, she called his name Judah. She said, I will now praise the Lord. Judah literally means praise. Judah is the praise and the leader of the tribe of praise. Now, Something, several things right here, and I, I want to make this brief, but we can look at a lot of different things right here. But 
But one of the things in verse 10, it says, he is the scepter that shall not depart from Judah. Go, go, go with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew, uh, both in Matthew and in Luke's gospel, they give the genealogy of Jesus, uh, of Jesus rather. They give the genealogy of Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 1, uh, in, in verse 2, it says, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah, and his brothers. He left off the other 11. Why? Why did he leave off the other 11? Because Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Okay? Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Hosea chapter 5 verse 14 says this. Hosea 5 14, he prophesies and he says, for I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. Jesus came from the lineage of Judah. So what we see right here in verse 10, it says the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Who's the scepter? Jesus is that scepter. I preached a message a few years back about Jesus, our scepter. And if you go and you look in the book of Ezra, it says that, uh, or I'm not, not Ezra, I apologize, Esther, the book of Esther. So Esther has to approach the king. Her, her, her people, the nation of Israel is getting to be annihilated. And yet she, she's told by her uncle Mordecai, you must go to the king. But she says, if I go to the king and I'm not invited to go to the king, then what's going to happen is I can be killed. She had to wait for the king to acknowledge her to approach. How did the king acknowledge? The king acknowledged by stretching forth his scepter to allow her to come. We can we we approach God through prayer. How? In Jesus' name. We approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when the scepter is stretched forth. The scepter is Jesus. Jesus was sent into the world to die on the cross to make a way for us to get to God because Jesus is our scepter. Then he says also, though, right here, he said, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down and lies down as a lion and as a lion who shall arouse him. I told you earlier, 1 Peter 5, 8, it says that the enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, the deceiver is like a lion, but he's not the lion. Who is the lion? Jesus is the lion. Jesus is the, is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelation chapter five, verse five says, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus is the reason and the one we praise. Jesus is the lion and he is the king. The word says, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. You could say it this way, behold, the king of the tribe of praise. Again, Peter said that Satan was like a lion, but Jesus is the lion. Satan has tried to deceive our praise, but the Bible tells us in Psalm 18.3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Not only is Jesus worthy of our praise, but when we praise him, he will save us from our enemies. As Jacob blessed Judah, so shall we say that when we praise God, 
Our hand is on the neck of our enemy. We choke the life out of sin when we praise the King of glory. Praise God. I'm going to stop right there. We'll pick this up again next week. Again, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. I hope that it encourages you. The Word of God so encourages me, and I just want to be a blessing to you. Father, I pray that you bless each and every one that's listening to this podcast. I pray, Father God, that it just fires them up for the Word of God, that they would praise the one that is worthy, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. All praise to you, our Lord. Father, bless them and keep them. May they have a great week. And Lord, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about this ministry or consider supporting, visit us at teenchallengeuc.org.